Why are you coming out my speaker? Why are you coming through my television? You're still listening. This is our final transmission. Hello, everybody uh, in the world who's listening. Everybody in the world listens to this podcast. We are coming at you live from the Metropole Cinema in Berlin. I am Jamie Carruthers. Joining me, as always, is... Sam Russo, front row centre at the Metropole. Front row? You're gonna yeah, absolutely. You. You're first in line for the uh, for the demons. Is that how it works? Front well, they're coming first. out with the screen. I guess then... I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this, but uh, so yeah, today we're going to cover Lamberto Bava's Demons and Demons 2. Remind me. Starring basically the same cast twice. So so we'll start with Demons. Yep. Um, so Demons came out in 1985. Um, year I was born, baby. Same, 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 same. Yeah, it's about a, a group of disparate people who come together to watch a watch a preview screening at a cinema and get murked by demons or zombies or zombiemons or whatever you want to call them. Zombiemons. I think uh, I was thinking exactly the same thing about the the people in attendance here in that they are obviously quite disparate. But then I thought, actually, they have this one sort of incredibly binding thing in common, and that's that they would just go to a movie because a guy in a mask gave them a free ticket. That's, yeah. that's a unifying quality for this cast, I think. But they 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 have they're, they're all from different worlds. True, different walks of life. Yeah, there's a blind guy. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go to the cinema because you gave me a bit of paper. I mean, you told me. Or I'm assuming that you told him that it was a cinema ticket. But you, even though you're a mute, half robot man. There's a um, pimp. There's a pimp and his and a couple of his employees. Employees is about right. Yeah. <laughs> And there, there's some inappropriate workplace relationships going on in that in that particular business enterprise. Who else we got in the crowd in the audience? Uh, oh, a bunch, two, of, two bunch of teens. Yeah, a couple of dorks and a couple of chicks that they're trying to pick up on. Yeah, a couple of couples. There's the the blind guy's daughter. I want to say. I think daughter. Yeah. And her gentleman friend. An angry old couple. Yeah, they're there for a reason. They don't like it when people talk in the cinema. They don't like anything that happens at that cinema. <laughs> Apart from weirdly, the old guy does seem to get into some of the horrific violence, which is kind yeah. of cool. And, and then a bunch of punks sort of rock up a bit later. Yeah, those punks. A bunch um, of your classic 80s movie punks. Plenty to say about those punks, I think. I mean, we'll, we will get to that. Yep, definitely. And an usher, a, a very attractive usher. Of course, the usher. I expected a lot more from her. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that too. So yeah, so let's talk about demons. Whoa! Whoa, shit. I guess that's why they call it Phantom Power. Psst, Sam. Yo, watch. Do you know the song that we play at the start of the show? Yes, it's great. It is great, isn't it? That's by a band called The Lillingtons, and they've got an album, which is one of my all-time favourite records, which is called Death by Television. Oh, that's a great record. 
Yeah, and it's out on Red Scare Industries. No. It came out probably, what, 20 years ago now? It's really fucking old. It came out in the 40s. Yeah. Well, Red Scare are celebrating 20 years, but it didn't come out in the year they started. So I don't really know how that works. We can't do the maths. No, and I refuse to. But Red Scare also sponsor this podcast. And Death by Television is full of bangers. And you should buy it. I mean, you probably already own it, right? I already own it big time. No, me too. Fuck yeah. But if you're listening to this, you should buy it. Check out the entire Red Scare back catalogue. You really should. You should. Go do it. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to the, the talking about films. Let's talk louder. Okay, so demons. Let's just start by getting your general thoughts. You had you seen demons before? I'd never seen demons before. I don't think I'd ever even heard of it. To be totally wow. honest, um, I'd seen it in the oeuvre of Dario Argento, just looking through you know movies in general, affiliated movies, etc. So I was aware of its existence, but I never really you know knew nothing about the plot, knew nothing about the premise going in. So the whole thing was one big wacky surprise for me from start to finish. What about you? So Demons is, it's been one of my favorites since I was a small child. So we're going to talk about Demons on Demons 2. I saw Demons 2 first, uh, picked it up on a big box video cassette from Choices Video in Wrexham back in the the 90s in their sort of sell off the old shit sales that they used to do in the boxes in the middle. And I loved it. I mean, I loved, I loved Demons 2. I mean, we'll get to that. Demons 1 is, 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 is different. It's better. It's it's got a pretty special place in my heart just for for doing a couple of things differently that a lot of people were doing around the same time, and just being a damn fun movie. I completely agree that Demons is better than Demons Two. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, Demons, Demons, Demoni Uno. I did have basically. I had an enormous amount of fun with it from start to finish. Basically, mm. it's um, it does something pretty stylized with a pretty tired idea i think so i really really enjoyed a lot of the a lot of the movie there weren't really any dips it's pretty full on it's it's fast paced it's action packed it does a lot of things i really like so when you when you watched demons 2 before you watched demons 1 were you aware i mean obviously from the title that it was a sequel but did you pick up on the fact there was any kind of linear progression from 1 to 2 i mean the sort of the flow there or what were you thinking when you watched it I just thought it was a cool movie. I mean, I, I kind of guessed that it developed an idea that was that was presented in the first one, but I didn't know too much or or care really. It was just this is a cool movie. I think both movies are fairly self-contained, although there is sort of through line progression there, which which works. I yeah, I, I just I just like these movies. I'm excited to hear what you love so much about Demon. I mean, we'll find with a lot of the movies that we talk about that it's really hard for me to be objective because I saw them all when I was 13 years old. Uh, yeah, I think that's totally pointless even trying to be objective. It's, yeah. It, and I see it as more than just nostalgia. Like when a movie gives you such a fun experience as a kid, you quite rightly have a completely um, like childlike experience. Sorry about that motorbike going past my house. Yeah. <laughs> you you quite rightly carry that feeling with you for life, I think. And yeah. The more the more the sort of theory and knowledge and you know, sort of highbrow thinking around movies uh could potentially pollute that, the less the less there is to talk about, really. And I think if you can channel that first time viewing experience into everything you do with the movie afterwards, there's there's tons of mileage in that. 
Yeah, um, I think I, one I of wish the... I'd seen this as a kid for sure. I wish I'd seen it when I was a you know a teenager. It would have been fucking awesome. Probably would have changed my life. Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm that I'm that I'm going to enjoy most out of this podcast is experiencing these films through through a sort of fresh lens, through through the eyes of a Russo, and that's 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 a that's an exciting thing. I've got really into watching fucking opera singers on YouTube, like critiquing right. critiquing metal vocalists. Nice. And um, and one of the things that I really enjoy about that is like hearing King Diamond or Rob Halford or whoever through like a completely new perspective and also yeah. like understanding why it's good. And that's you're you're the opera singer to to my demons too or something. I don't know. <laughs> Here I am ready to uh, critique demons through the eyes of Rob Halford. That sounds great. I think the, um, the you look a bit like movie, Rob Halford, but you know, I feel a bit like Rob Halford. <laughs> I mean, you don't look like Rob Halford. You just have no hair, but then I also have Bald no hair. Head. Yeah. Bald hair. Uh, I dress like Rob Halford, though. Sitting here in this leather doublet definitely brings out the Rob Halford in my eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying like the the knuckle holes in your leather gloves. Yeah, I mean, I would say you look like Rob Halford, but you're wearing that that onesie, um, the rabbit <laughs> onesie. doesn't doesn't bring out the Halford as much. No, I, I was going for more of a. Uh, well, I can't even think of anyone else who's bald. Tenth member of Slipknot. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a bunny. The, the 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 fifth member of Mudvayne, <laughs> the worst member of Mudvayne. Uh, third third from the bottom. Who is the worst member of Mudvayne? I mean, I name a member of guy. Mudvayne. Yeah, true. Yeah, good point. I went with Red Guy. <laughs> Hellboy. Is that his real name? No. Hellboy is is from a a comic. Oh, I've heard of him. <laughs> I think you'd like think... Hellboy. It's a it's a it deals with a lot of like myths and lore through. I don't the... really like Hellboy. You don't like Hellboy? No, not really. Well, I don't really like anything, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you like Demons Two? Uh, Demons One? Uno? I, I wrestled with it. I'll be honest. I definitely like Demons. Yes, but. There's some pretty fucking hefty caveats in there. The <laughs> opening of the movie had me deeply confused vis-a-vis sense of place because I, for some bizarre reason, thought I was getting myself into an Italian movie and therefore thought, let's go to Italy. But immediately I was thinking, this is Germany. This is like, did, are they trying to convince me this is Italy? Because it's definitely Germany. And then obviously it was revealed later on that, yes, it's a hundred, it's so German, it hurts. Did you get German vibes from the opening of this movie? Well, yeah, but I mean, I've never been to Germany in any sort of real capacity. So (laughs) I once got a coach to Poland when I was a child. Okay. uh, And it went through Germany. Oh, okay. So I saw Germany, but I've never really been to like a German city and got off. Oh, okay. Because as soon as I saw those opening scenes, I was like, this is fucking so German, dude. This is is Berlin to the max. And uh, it's... Stinks of Germany. It's the colours. The, the it's Germany in the eighties, a hundred percent. And that really kind of as soon as I realised, right, okay, it's not meant to be Milan or something. I realised where we were and the colour palette and the um, you know the, the scenery and inside the the train cab and then out in the station and everything. Out in the street is when it really hits home. Holy mm. fuck, yeah, we're in Germany. 
and that was great seeing seeing Germany in that light in the 80s seeing Berlin at street level you know that stuff was great but the opening scene in the the train carriage I I immediately realized okay this is a Jamie fave it feels filthy as fuck in here everything's really close and claustrophobic and weird the music is exactly what Jamie would be getting down to and I feel like I'm being stabbed immediately well so the thing about Italian films in this time period and sort of through the 70s to the to the late 80s is that they are super global affairs i think mm-hmm. less so in this one because in demons in demons one demons because the actors are at least mouthing the words in english so the dubbing doesn't quite feel so insane but generally in italian films around this time you get like the the best actors or the people that they could get from around the world um, so you end up with people who are Spanish, American, Italian, British, all sort of coming together and acting in their own language, usually against people speaking a different language and doing their best with it. And I think, I mean, this isn't a great example of it, but some of Dario Argento's uh, directorial films deal with that a bit more. And some other Italian directors like Angelo Cast- uh, Castellari, is that how you say his name? Or... Antonio Margheriti, people like that, they they sort of bring bring a sort of worldwide feel. And I think that's, you get a lot of that in this. You get some super Italian sensibilities. You get some of that other European, which I couldn't necessarily pinpoint, but if it felt super German to you, that's because it's super German. You get a real sort of interpreted sense of like American. This is an Italian's idea of what an American would like. Definitely. Yeah, so so I think I think that's one of the really one of the really sort of genuinely beautiful things about about Italian films is that they uh they do sort of bring loads of that stuff together. It's like a big melting pot, Sam. I love that you think it's beautiful. I think it's pervy as hell. Well, it just it has this feeling of like dragging all these these cultures together and just like forcing them into a room. And I think it the the effect it had on me is that it felt almost creepily like not forced in a bad way forced in a good way because it, it you know it's forcing together these elements that are pushing apart in a way but the the thing I, the thing i observed early on is that in a lot of these performances when you've got people performing in different languages you know a lot of people say that um you know acting is reacting isn't it and if you don't necessarily know what the person is saying to you if yeah. you just know your line that brings an incredibly fun dynamic to the acting because it's like people are performing in a vacuum but facing each other so it has this bonkers effect of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks essentially in terms of performance and that really shines through in a few of these characters um, yeah, i think what- the um the a, a way that that really shines through is also the people who are who are acting phonetically and yeah. are speaking english but they they have no idea what they're saying and therefore <laughs> this that, that brings a really interesting dynamic to the to the performance as well because you can't you can't react to what you're what you're saying. You can't act something besides what you're told. And creepy. I think that's that great. Has a creepy thing to it. It yeah. makes you feel like they almost seem puppeteered, which yeah. which is a fantastic aesthetic, and it 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 conveys a weird sense of uh, dissonance. Almost, it makes everything feel a bit disjointed in a way that that knocks you off kilter. I think, and and especially refreshing, you know, in an age of cinema where movies are so just heinously predictable and even performances for the most part are just so homogenized it's great to see this janky wobbly buffeting you know kind of grindy performance from start to finish it makes you feel a bit sick it's great 
Yeah, I think there's a real sort of moody, moody quality to this, which, mm. which, like you say, it's it, it's very close and it's dirty and it feels a bit sticky. Mm. When they're not in the cinema, things get pretty clean when they're in the cinema or in the, the at least in the rooms of the cinema that have been prepared for mm-hmm. whatever is happening here by <laughs> whoever did that whoever. for what for whatever reason. Um, yeah. And that's that's one thing I I really like <clears throat> is that even when this movie is being even when this movie is fun as hell, like I won't do anything specific, but if you described a couple of the scenes of this movie to somebody, they'd be like, that sounds really fun. But then when you watch it, you still feel like you're being slightly violated, even though it's a, re- <laughs> it's not Evil Dead 2, even though when you describe it to somebody, it feels like it could be, you know, yeah. some of the vignettes and some of the scenes. So yeah, it, it definitely keeps me reaching for the sick bag uh, in all the right ways. It's, a, it's definitely very effective in that respect. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that this is uh, Dario Argento's first producing credit mm. or the first time he's produced at least somebody else's directorial work. Dario and uh, Lamberto Barva worked together quite a lot before this, mostly with, with Barva uh, in a more of like an ass- assistant director role or a, sure. or a DP t- style role. So seeing what feels in a lot of places like an Argento film, but without any of that Argento sensibility, a bit more of like a Fulci sensibility. It sort of pitches this film at a completely different level to to what you would expect from a film that's got Dario Argento's name on it. Mm. Um, and I and I love that. Well, that, that was fun for me. I went in with a, a subtle certain expectation from that. And to have that basically subverted uh, yeah. was, was especially fun. Uh, am I right in thinking that there are four writers on both Demons and Demons 2, respectively, four on each? Yeah, well, I think what is it? It's it's is it Dario Lamberta, Dodano Sacchetti, and I don't the, the fourth might Franco Farini. Ah, yeah, Franco Farini. I think they just sit in a room and have a bunch of ideas. It feels like that less so in Demons, definitely in Demons too. Yeah, but yeah. I was I was kind of doing a little bit of dialogue analysis in in both movies. You both have four writers, and I was like, what were these guys? <laughs> <laughs> like out for pizza most of the time and then like frantically scribbling at the 11th hour but i i like i like the idea having watched the movie that there are four people pitching in to this mm. madness that there are four people pitching ideas there's four people pitching how this should be said and how it should be delivered because that that definitely adds to the madness it doesn't feel like an ego-driven movie it doesn't feel auteury it doesn't feel um like anybody had a really really specific vision it feels like it was very open and very fun yeah i think the big feeling that you get from Demons and ultimately from Demons 2 as well, maybe even more so, is that it feels like this is a film that they made for the for the American video market. Right. Not something really to be experienced in in cinema, but mm-hmm. something to be to be seen at home with some friends. I mean, I don't know if that's the case. Probably not. I probably would have quite lofty ideals if I was making a Demons, even even like quite a low budget sort of demon splattery film but I that's that's how it feels to me it feels like it's meant to be experienced sort of late at night yeah with with a bunch of your pals yeah it's it's is is a is a really short production quick wrap and then bang it's out and then demons 2 comes out one calendar year later you know yeah. it's a really quick turnaround and I think you know anybody with the eyes screwed into their head properly would would watch this and think yeah this is a party movie this is something to watch uh, and everyone react to it once. If people are talking during this movie, you don't miss anything. If if people are laughing and screaming at the gore and stuff, you're not, 
you know you're not uh, you know ruining the atmosphere or the the character development or the you know any kind <laughs> of nuanced performance that shit goes out the window in the first five minutes of this movie and it's you know it's a very deliberate choice i think to just bin that off completely and just go you know gore crazy tension buildy and explosive action i think that's um a pretty calculated decision it plays off really well yeah i mean there's 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 some uh disparate info out there about how long it actually filmed i read an interview with with goretta goretta who plays one of the one of the uh the working girls one of the mm-hmm. sex workers in the film and she says it was 20 days but i read an interview with with uh, lamberto bava who said it was nine weeks which is a much more generous sort of filming period and Barbara says that that it basically took that long because there were so many effects that they needed to get. So yeah, so I'm not quite sure which one is correct there. Maybe maybe Goretta Goretta just did 20 days and, and could be yeah, or maybe Lamberto Barbara is a fucking liar. Who knows? <laughs> I say we call him out, <laughs> calling you out, Barbara. You fucking liar. I think yeah, I think it's uh, it's conceivable that I mean 20 seems short, especially given the practical effects. But you don't know what pre-production was like. I don't know how much of the how much of the effects were kind of like, okay, we need to rip this guy's throat open. Let's let's make it because that's there's a lot of these effects seem really well planned and yeah. and really well executed. It doesn't that Savini thing where you're like, oh, cool, we could like rip both his arms off now and then I'll quickly go make it. It felt like they were set pieces kind of built around the effects almost. Yeah, um, definitely. I think there's probably an effects studio somewhere that was like, here are all the things that we can do. Go and write a movie. Yeah, definitely. And there is no real, I mean, you summed up the plot perfectly. The plot is these people go to the cinema, they see a movie about Nostradamus's tomb, <laughs> and Nostradamus predicting uh, that demons would roam the earth, uh, and then demons come out the cinema screen and demon everyone up. That's basically it, right? Yeah. Um, and then the demons proceed to demon up the city at large. So um, I think I think there's a, a slight technical error in what you're saying there. I don't think I don't think the, the demons come out of the cinema screen. Uh, and I think that's I one of the things that 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 is shifted between demons and demons too, because okay. the the demons come because correct Rosemary's the lady she gets scratched. Yeah, she you're gets right. scratched when she puts on the mask, uh, and she becomes the first demon. I, de- I mean, a demon does burst through the screen but it's uh mm. rosemary's little mate who yeah. who is who is running away from rosemary as she as she changes and i think that's fine i mean i would like it if they came out of the screen but they don't yeah i mean one of my favorite things about this movie is the movie within the movie yeah everything it, yeah everything in that nostradamus tomb thing is is really eerie it's really well done and it's all the stuff that i like you know I, it's all fog and it's crypts and it's people pillaging and it's the yeah. dead rising and all that kind of, it's great um it really creates a sense of atmosphere within an already intense and thick sense of atmosphere so you just get these layers where we're cutting between some what feels like a real like golden age of horror classic uh crypt movie and you know at the time a pretty genre bending explosive gore fest which yeah. just works I think my main issue with the the film within a film, the, Nostra, the, the Nostradamus movie, mm. is that it feels like it's directed by the same person. <laughs> yeah, it's a good shout. Yeah, like it feels like it's it's an extension of this movie, um, which yeah. maybe is a choice. But I feel like in order to to really sell that, if I was making this movie, which you know I'm not and I never will, 
But if I was, I would I would want to do some some different things within the movie, within the within the movie within a movie to to really sort of sell the moviness of it. I think there's a really nice way of doing that to sort of deliver the those those thoughts and those ideas and and to have that punctuate the stuff that's happening in the cinema a bit more. I think they missed a trick there. Yeah, potentially. I I almost immediately imagine what you mean in that. Yes, it has the the feeling of being an extension of the movie. I completely agree. It does have a slightly different aesthetic and it, it pulls you out in the sense that it's set somewhere very different. But you're right. It feels like the same dude doing both. And it could be really interesting to see a bit of texture there between the two. I have a question. Said, I have a question. On. Sorry. I have a question about whether you about the way that the, the movie and the real life real life quotes uh, interact with each other, because the guy in the movie that becomes the the first demon Mm. Uh, that's Michelle Suave, who is a director who directed what was meant to be Demons 3, but became The Church, which is a wonderful film. He's a great Italian director. And he's also the guy delivering the the, uh, the invitations to right. the various people with the with the metal face. Mm-hmm. Now I wanted I want I wanted to know if you thought that there was some some interplay there with that being the same person. Is that is he effectively the same character? Is does the metal face suggest that the people in the films are, are, are the people in the film within a film are, are, are robots, maybe, or they're somehow different kind of puppets designed to to create this movie that the people watch? I mean, I think those theories are fantastic, and they add, you know, a doubly fantastic layer to what's happening in the film. My my read on it. That that's that's the kid read definitely. That's the just rented it at fourteen, loving every second, want to keep digging, digging, thinking up you know potential outcomes, etc. And that's why it's a bit sad that I watched it at thirty seven because I thought it was just totally a decision of utility. In that this is a guy who knows how to shoot a movie, act in a movie, uh, who's got the the you know the the actor chops and the directorial chops to do a little bit of everything. So let's maximize our use of him. He looks creepy in this mask. Let's put him in that scene. He's perfect for it. Let's have him do this. Let's have him do that. But yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for his role as the masked man, because I had no idea what was supposed to be going on there. And he does seem cyborgy at the end. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a bit of the, uh, at the end where you see him in a different light, like Mm -hmm. literally the light is different. And and the 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 thing that you think is a mask is is like underneath his skin. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like a, it's almost like a graft or like something. Uh, initially, I thought like it's it's some kind of incredibly stylized, you know, burn covering or something. I thought mm. like that's a very German, uh, <laughs> a very eighties German aesthetic decision to put a large aluminium plate over the side of your face that's maybe a bit burnt. But then as the movie goes on and you see what the the demon makeup is like, I thought, is that covering some demon, you know, a demonic face of some kind? And thankfully, all of those questions are just left open to rampant speculation because nothing gets answered or or makes any kind of linear sense. So, I mean, what's your take? It's it's difficult for me to believe that he is the main character in the movie and then also the person that, that, that delivers this to 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 people in in quote unquote reality, yeah. like it's hard for me to to believe that that's a coincidence or that's not meant to be explored. But then, it's, it's an Italian film from the eighties, so it could literally be, yeah, you're around. So let's let's have it. Yeah. It's also incredibly difficult to link those two people because he he does look so different. I think in both those roles, I personally just would not have picked up on that if you hadn't told me. Mm. So 
I don't know how much the casual observer would pick up on that. And this movie, this movie's crowd is casual observers, really, isn't it? We are <laughs> we are among a tiny percentage of people who've seen this movie who are dedicating time and energy to dissecting it, I think. I don't um, think that's true. I think this is this is one of those films that's that's uh, that's in the canon as a as a eighties gore classic. Oh, definitely. But how how much time do normal people spend talking about eighties gore classics? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fair point. <laughs> I'm no one to say, but it has really earned a spot in that you know in that top echelon of eighties gore movies. It really sets its stall out. I would say maybe halfway through the movie with that because we get this pretty slow simmering build, don't we? The the tension mm. kind of starts winding very early on. You get this sense of unease for about 20 minutes and then after, you know, around the 30, 40 minute mark, things start kicking off big time. But that's quite a long time to simmer the pot and I was quite impressed that it maintained for that period of time and the movie within the movie did that for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we don't get, you know, character development or, you know, much of... Um, much of a feeling of who people are except they all get given a very specific you know little scene each to kind of show us who they are i think that's true and i think that's um it's a similar thing to what you quite liked in the burning isn't it that it's just like you're plopped into these people's lives and they're in a situation where they that they might be in generally in in their life and they're and they're acting in a certain way in in this more so than the burning that it's it doesn't feel very real it feels like they're they're characters in a movie which they oh, are totally and mm-hmm. and We'll talk about that a bit more in in when we talk about demons too, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right, and I think that's uh, you you do get like a, a a nice sense of who these people are, but also that they're just grist for the for the demon mill, really, which I think and, is uh, which is nice. Yeah, and I, I find a lot of modern movies don't do that well at all. Mm. Um, I I as soon as I met all these characters, I. I didn't hate them. I didn't dislike them in any way. I didn't find them forgettable either. I just thought it's going to be really fucking cool to watch you get shredded by demons. Yeah. Okay, so someone hands you a movie ticket, says nothing, Metal Face, have chased you down a a street in Germany. Are, are you going? I thought about this a lot while it was happening <laughs> and afterwards. And sadly, the answer is, yeah, absolutely, I'm going. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I probably, I mean, I would be going with a lot of trepidation, assuming that I'm going to get a neck full of jizz off the person behind me. But, you know. Wait, a neck full of jizz, as in they're going to pump it directly down your neck? Not down my, like from the back. So, from like, it's going to, yeah, the person behind me. I thought, is you gonna, just, I thought you meant you're just going to swallow a lug full of jizz. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going with you then. If we're both on this train <laughs> making the same decision, I'm going with you. I think I would have maybe got to the street, seen how fucking badass the Metropole looked as a building. I'd have hung back and, and had a little look at who else was going in, and then and then yeah, I probably would have probably would have gone for it. Um, I feel like you'd have been in the car sniffing cocaine out of a coke can. I I mean, if that was on the on the table as an option, then <laughs> uh, dive in. I'm all in. Uh, that car was definitely the place to be. That's yeah. where the best stuff in the movie happened. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, and we'll we'll I'll say this every single time we talk about durability and longevity is that we're watching this in 2022. So there's obviously some some longevity built into demons here. I think the metal soundtrack really puts it in a time and a place. Yeah. Uh, the pre-wall Berlin nightmare uh, puts it in a very time and a place. But 
ultimately, I think that this this film transcends the eighties by just being really great. But obviously, as always, keen to hear hear your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I think one thing that gives it longevity, I think, is its pretty irreverent approach to killing people. Mm. I think if you're a fan of gore or a fan of the kind of horror that inevitably ends in people being killed in creative ways, this is going to stick with you forever because there's only so many ways to kill a human, right? And uh, according to the Misfits, 52. Uh, but we know for a fact there are a million different ways that you can kill a human. If yeah. you can do it in a way that that is visually arresting that's exciting in the, in that you know cinematic context that plays into a narrative in some way and that is memorable with all the other things that you do in a movie to make that possible then you're giving you're giving it longevity i think and the the visual effects in this are one of the things that do that for me maybe for other people that's one of the things that dates it and and you know mires it in the 80s but it doesn't for me i think it makes it pop and i think it makes it really really impressive especially in in light of you know cg yeah so visual effects definitely give it some some longevity for me the performance is just being so weird and so i mean contrived sounds like it has a negative connotation it doesn't at all in this sense they are incredibly hammy contrived performances and again some people might say that would you know hard and fast stick it in the 80s but because they're so janky and strange they they transcend an era to me they just feel alien so immediately they're you know they're on a different plane and I love that visually. Yeah, it's super 80s. It's super German. And it, it will always be that way, I think, especially the punks in the car. You know, they as soon as I saw them, I was like, longevity down a notch. <laughs> yeah. These guys, it's, it's, an, it's a very 80s gothic punk look uh, that will always be, you know, a huge part of, of the 80s aesthetic. But, you know, everything else, I think, is 80s in a way that doesn't feel trapped there. It feels like something that can transcend that a little bit. I think in terms of the the narrative and everything else that the film does to kind of keep it away from just being a, a throwaway gory movie, you know, it's potentially stuff that gives it a bit more length and breadth. I like the I like the soundtrack to to a point. Some of the stuff doesn't really work for me as well, but compared to Demons Two, I love the soundtrack. <laughs> so <laughs> say more about that later. I think that the sound work in this film keeps it keeps it pretty fresh as well. Uh, it does some pretty brave stuff with Foley, and it, obviously the dubbing is a you know kind of a fine art uh, to make it just not completely fail. So while it's weird, it's actually really well done, uh, and I think that keeps it keeps it out of a you know an eighties coffin forever. It feels feels like a movie that you could definitely slap on whenever and, and not feel like you're just laughing at something that's completely past. Yeah. Did you have like a read on what they're trying to tell, what they're trying to say with this film? Well, in terms of like a social commentary, yeah. No, dude, I struggle with that because I I just resigned myself really early to just watching a very surface level gory raz where lots of people were just saying, "Let's do this," and then "Let's do this." So I didn't I didn't read too deeply into it, but I you know initially I was thinking, is are they trying to tell us something about? the nature of cinema itself about voyeurism about like I, I didn't feel anything <laughs> deep was going on here whatsoever because I struggled with the whole demon zombies thing I don't know when you wanted to get wanted to get into that but do you have a, a take on what this movie's trying to say well yeah I think I think the the really obvious take is about the impact of movie violence on an audience sure I think that's your, your super entry level take I've read a few interviews with with Lamberto Barber and he says that's not his intention at all 
uh, which you know, fairly is he's a guy that makes horror films. That's what he does. He's like, yeah, I assume that so. wouldn't be it because, but like that's do that. yeah, but that that that's like your entry level read. I think. I think there's another sort of moral panic sort of take about mm. how the media sort of calls out violence in movies whilst also propagating it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is more of a thing in Demons Two. There's also, and I don't know if this is digging really deep, but um, I don't know how familiar you are with the paintings of the of of, of the Spanish painter Goya. Yeah, I know some 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 gritty Goya. Yeah, I'm a big big fan of Goya. I went to a, mm-hmm. an exhibition a few years ago, and it was humbling and horrifying, but nice. wonderful. So there's a few sort of Goya connections in the film here. The real Metropole Cinema is actually a nightclub called Goya. Um, so all the ex- all the exteriors are of a place called Goya, and then the opening quote within the film within a film, uh, which is the sleep of reason gives birth to monsters, mm-hmm. um, that's a direct reference to the to to a Goya painting, where it shows like an artist who's sleeping and he's like surrounded by monsters and demons and weird sort oh, of I know demonic yep. demonic creatures and they're all sort of looking directly at you the person the viewing one it. with the horse in it yeah yeah I didn't... so interesting my take on that painting is that it's about the 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 monsters the monsters that are looking at you or the or the creepy creatures or whatever they are that the the sort of maintaining eye contact with you as you look at that painting is that you're they're they're commenting on you like you like this you like looking at these monsters or you're looking in a mirror and the monster is actually you. But I I don't know. It, it, maybe they're they they just like Goya and they thought that was a cool a cool thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I I, I personally love that deep take. I think that's that takes some scratching away of the surface veneer. And I almost like to think that, yeah, maybe they did bury something incredibly poignant in all this you know, green goo and, you know, exploding throats. I think that would be a, a fantastic thing if that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt like I was being led somewhere, somewhere where there was some kind of relationship here between art, artist, audience, viewer, participant, because the opening scene in the lobby of the hotel, there was no need for them to put like a sculpture type thing in there, was there? There was no need mm. for the lobby, uh, sorry, the lobby of the movie theater. There was no need for that to be, uh, laid out like a museum so there's an there's a there's a essentially a narrative decision there to put this motorbike maybe not just for someone to ride later on <laughs> with a mask <laughs> on it and this white uh, museum pedestal so immediately I thought okay I'm being led into something a little bit more Argento here potentially because they're setting up this exhibit type thing for people to pass through before they go into the movie so what's yeah. being said here and then immediately I just got distracted by hookers becoming demons but yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot to what you just said in terms of you know that can't just be a pure coincidence, can it? The Goya connection. I mean, maybe they just thought it was a cool phrase, but Do maybe they attribute not. that to Nostradamus in the movie. Are they trying to? I think say, they are. I, I don't quite yeah. remember. I think it's just yeah, it's the first thing that they say. Mm. I mean, they, I, maybe they haven't started talking about Nostradamus just yet. But I yeah, mean, how much how much play does Nostradamus have in this movie? Is it just? Let's use the the guy Nostradamus because he made some prophecies. He, well, he predicted the the future. Or is there something in that? Do you think? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question because I'm not quite sure about. I don't know an awful lot about Nostradamus. 
Well, it just seems like it, it's really pivotal in the beginning. They make a huge deal out of it being Nostradamus's tomb. And Nostradamus predicted this. And you start to think, ooh, what's going to happen with Nostradamus? And then the answer is nothing. So yeah. <laughs> what are they, were they teeing us up for something that maybe ran subplot for the rest of the movie that we missed? I don't know. But um, Is it just that yeah. Nostradamus is a real person? And and, so and people therefore, will, yeah, yeah. So you can think, oh, he that. did make these predictions. So maybe yeah. he did predict the coming of the demons, or maybe he actually did predict the coming of the demons. And no one's like, ah, oh, yeah, well, that happened. Yeah, like yeah. like maybe televisions yeah. happened. I mean, that's a, that's a good narrative device, isn't it? If Nostradamus predicted the coming of the demons, let's have the demons cometh. You know, yeah. that's that's cool. That's clever. And that's for me. That's Italian wine talk. That's a, that's that's the four writers in a room with a bottle of wine. They're like let's fucking have this thing happen let's make this come true yeah. and that's one that you would write down if you're you know you're chucking ideas around i think it works and it brings in the whole crypt thing and it makes it creepy as balls and it's good fun so yeah, yeah i mean i think that's an incredibly astute and deep read uh it's definitely not something that occurred to me and i think that's sometimes the wonderful trick of these movies is that they make you think you're just watching people get hacked to bits but in reality there's something whispering in the background uh, offering you social commentary or offering you a deeper take on humanity that isn't portrayed through an actual actor's performance. Yeah. It's more of an amalgamation that you think about while you're driving or that springs into mind while you're in the shower or something that really kind of tickles away at your subconscious. I think that's a great, you know, piecing together of some some weird shit throughout the movie to come to a, a pretty decent conclusion there. I, I like the, the interplay between, you know, audience, participant, horror and... I guess horrified you know the idea of looking into that mirror that's a really interesting take i don't necessarily know if the goya thing was really what they were going for but i think there's yeah. there's definitely that interplay there isn't there in terms of how the movie presents different audience types and and, and also i mean it undercuts it with with the punks who will I'll obviously talk about but they, they they weren't viewers they are no. they are lay people mm. so so i think that might undercut that read a little bit but but yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I just thought. I thought that was a just an interesting connection, at least. Definitely, I thought there was something going to be made of the fact that there's a there's a blind guy in the cinema. You know, there's a sightless man there who's having the movie essentially kind of narrated to him by his daughter. Yeah. I thought here's where we might get some Argento stuff happening. You know, immediately I'm thinking, okay, so so what is it? What is it telling me here? if this guy's because he's quite hungry for the narrative isn't he he's yeah he's continually asking what's happening now and the one line that got me there is he says um are they scared to the daughter and the daughter, daughter says yes and then i think he says are you scared does that happen yeah i think so or maybe that's later yeah. on but there's there's he definitely says that at one point because she's like yeah you know, and his, myself, his right? journey through the movie is interesting because he doesn't die as early as you might think. He does end up kind of crawling through the substrata. He's buried by the rest of the people when they build that barricade. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, you know, that was one of the only things where I thought, OK, that's very clever in terms of, you know, what you're doing with this character. Because you could just have him do some slapstick, exploitative stuff and meet a horrible, sightless end. But yeah. they don't do that. They have him do a lot of interesting things throughout the movie. And I think that's, you know, full credit to the writers there. The thing that occurs to me now, which has literally just occurred to me, is that mm. basically anyone who gets remotely violenced by demons turns into a demon pretty pretty sharply. Mm -hmm. And he gets his entire eyes gouged out and yeah. he, he remains cogent for quite a while. Yeah. So maybe, really point. maybe there's something there about that relationship or at least about the inter 
film narrative in terms of it's not just enough to be to be gouged by the demons you also have to have experienced the film or in some way i don't know if that's that's quite the case but he certainly seems to hold on for much longer it might just be narratively convenient for him to deliver that sort of half monologue before he before he turns but but yeah, I, I think I'm totally with you in in the fact that I thought for the whole movie that you had to have seen or experienced something of the the Nostradamus thing in order to turn. But I mean, what's also really interesting there, in my opinion, is what's what's really arresting and quite evocative about the presence of the demons. And in my opinion, the best shot of the movie is when their eyes are glowing mm. in the in the darkness and the mist. And even when they're not doing that really cool stylistic thing of having glowing eyes in the dark their eyes are a big part of who they are because they have yeah. these wild contact lenses. Quite often they're really bulgy. So the 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 whole sort of eye motif, I guess, running through the movie, I think has to, there has to be some kind of subtle interplay there with the the blind guy having his his blind eyes slashed out of his head by a demon claw. Yeah. Um, I think I um, in, in the original, pick up on it. <laughs> in the original script, the blind guy had a much bigger role and right. they wanted they wanted Vincent Price to play the to play that character. Wow. Which I mean would would have been amazing. That would have been phenomenal. But yeah, so they they ended up having to when they couldn't get Vincent Price, they sort of scaled the role down quite a lot. Yeah, that makes and sense. And I think maybe some of the stuff that we're talking about, some of the some of the de- de- developing of of the of the blind guy and the character mm-hmm. and of the 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 way that he experiences the Nostradamus film and everything else would have been different potentially yeah. i mean this is alex sarah right he's um i think in this movie he reminds me a lot of pete Postlewaite, weirdly um, yeah yeah no, i see that but i only knew him from uh lady hawk he's in lady hawk mm-hmm. um which i like i like lady hawk just fine he's yeah, really good right. in that i remember him being really good in that but yeah i felt like he was he, he was an actor with a real presence and despite the dubbing he he really came across as giving a very convincing, authentic performance, unlike a lot of the people he was playing right alongside. So yeah. I did kind of think there'd be more of that character later on. But they do a good job of of helping you forget him completely until he comes back, which I think yeah. is excellent. I think that's one of the one of the things that that good movies do really well is they they lead you into remembering characters if they're important or forgetting characters if you want them to to be a surprise later on. And I think that's mm. that is something that that, that works well here. Shall we go? Shall we go in uh, in on the the zombies versus demons idea? Because obviously they wanted to make a zombie film ultimately, yeah. And they sort of used that Evil Dead, what's the word, like technique or um, narrative device to have the demons mm. ultimately be zombies. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not convinced as a 37 year old man that. If you get slashed by a demon, you become a demon or a vessel for for a demon. It's it's my only real gripe, and I don't want to dwell on it, but the demon zombie thing, I I wanted a demon movie. Yeah. It felt like the quintessential, surely this is going to be a quintessential demon movie. It's called Demons. It's going to be, you know, demonic as all hell. And it was essentially a zombie movie. Which I'm fine with. Looking back, there's they do it. They do a lot of really fun stuff with it. And and the line, what they do really well is fully inhabit the line between demon and zombie, where you don't have to be one or the other. You can yeah. kind of be both. Some of your demons can be green-faced Romero zombies, and some of your zombies can be howling, toothy, satanic-looking demons. And and they they just blur that really well. Like they just don't give a fuck and just throw these demons at you, which is cool. However. 
in a movie called Demons, which is supposed to be ostensibly about demons, I would really like to lean into the demonic side of that and see yeah. a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe see a little bit more uh, satanic imagery or or something more supernatural. But it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the vast majority of the demons in the movie. Yeah, I think they're demons in the sense that they are like fifth tier characters on a on a Bosch painting or something. They're like sure. they're little sort of writhy, mindless demons that that probably inhabit hell if it's mm-hmm. real. Obviously, not every single demon's going to be a smart dude wearing a suit, sure, or or, or your big hulking devil guy. Yeah. Um, so I think I I understand what 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 their demon what their demonicness is. Mm. But yeah, no, I I also would have liked to have seen um, a bit more sort of actual demonic activity. And like yeah. I say, I don't think ultimately being touched by a demon would then, one, kill you, and then two, allow a demon to enter your body. But That's, that's the, the only pulled punch for me was the the blurring of, uh, you know, possession and infection. Any any scratchy thing felt infection-like. Uh, I, I wanted more possession type stuff. Um, the metaphor, the metamorphosis scenes were cool. Obviously, really accomplished in terms of practical effects. Yeah. Um, but I, I love a good possession, and I love a bit of uh, you know a bit of soul loss and soul transfer, and and yeah, you know the the more sort of cheesy effects that maybe we saw in um, what was the heavy metal movie? I've forgotten the title of it already. Uh, trick or treat. Trick or treat. Yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's I mean that's really just a personal preference thing. I I do think. I mean, it seems to be a thing that people talk about, right? The demon zombie thing with this movie. Yeah, um, I would what, say so. what, What's yeah? What's the uh, what do most people say about that? I think that they are demony zombie demon zombies. I think that's... yeah. And who cares? Yeah, I remember when I first saw Wreck Two. Don't know if you've seen Wreck Two, no, or or even Wreck, um, which was a Spanish zombie movie from early two thousands. I want to say, and in and in Wreck Two, spoiler alert. They tell you that the the zombies are actually demons, and when when they're when you die or when you die from being zombie attacked, you become a vessel for possession. I mean, they're ultimately zombies, but I think there's a bit more a bit more developed in there in terms of yeah. what 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 being a demon means and what being a demon who's possessing a dead body means. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's it it doesn't really land that here they're ultimately just baddies baddies yeah <laughs> yeah they're, which they're, i like that's what makes this a rump for me because yeah. immediately you get this concept that demons are real here they come doesn't matter how they come at you doesn't matter how you become one you just want to get the fuck away from the demons and put as much between you and them as possible because you don't want to get scratched bitten you don't want to look them in the eyes they really bring that fear out and yeah. they're they're able to kind of they're able to bring in some cool stuff about zombies, some cool stuff about, you know, these four guys' idea of what demons are and, mm. you know, Play-Doh them together into something really fun. So, yeah, I see no harm, no foul there, really. It's just, maybe it's just my sort of generic, comforting generic love of one or the other that, you know, put me on the, you know, on the sort of wobble a little bit there. But they do a great job, dude. You, you wholeheartedly believe throughout the movie these demons are, are not beings you want to be near in any yeah. way. Okay, so what do you think about does does demons fulfill its own brief? I hope so. I hope the idea here was to have an enormous amount of fun with an enormous amount of demons and to do so in a way that feels really creepy intense in a really 
totally and deliberately sustained way because in this movie i'm having as much fun as i am being made to feel very much on edge from start to finish yeah i think it it does an excellent job of delivering the brief that these people were kind of lured or invited to this movie theater they watch a movie and demons ensue you know (laughs) that's the, the whole premise and it drips with that from start to finish it has action comedy adventure oodles of gore and horror it doesn't feel rushed in any way, which I think was the, the main danger here was that certain aspects would be rushed or certain aspects would be undercooked because of the time constraints of having to get so much in. But it just rips through and it rips through at the right kind of pace for me. So, I, you know, if that's the intention, that's that's the impact it had on me 100%. What do you think? Did this do what it said it was going to do on the back or, or did you have any sort of misgivings about that? Again, as I said in the beginning, this is one of my all-time favourites. It's... It's impossible to be objective. I think this film really does fulfill its brief. I think all of the sort of deep dig that we that we jumped into uh, earlier and talked about Goya and potential moral, moral panics, all of that is undercut by a guy riding around on a motorbike with a katana, just like hacking the fuck out of demons as he goes. And that's that's a real joy for me. I think that's that's when you just know that they're they're having fun and they're just yeah. having having a wonderful time making a. a ultimately a very dumb movie even if they've got some some lofty thoughts that crept in one night when they were smoking cigarettes eating cacio e pepe and drinking wine just like oh yeah. what what if it was actually interesting and important well yeah but also what about what about if we ramp up tension for 10 minutes with some potential eye trauma which is a big thing in italian films and something that i think must scare them culturally is that their mm. the eyes are being being ripped out or being yeah. attacked in some way because it, it's a thing that happens in a bunch of different Italian horror films, although many of them are directed by Dario Argento. So maybe it's just an Argento <laughs> thing that he's like, "Fuck, man, don't take my eyes." Um, <laughs> it's got to be a Catholic childhood thing, and also, yeah, your eyes are very fragile and right in your face. Yeah, so, they're, they're front <laughs> and center. So yeah, exactly. I mean, also he's a director, so his yeah. eyes are, are obviously very important to him. So maybe that's a thing that just ultimately terrifies him in the same way that Stephen King loves putting his own fucking face in his films. Yeah, I mean, he's um, probably writing from a place of like dream motivated terror. Yeah, you know, the thing that you, the thing that you value most, or the thing that you're most protective of, or the thing you're most scared of losing, always makes it into your nightmares as being in the most jeopardy right and i guess yeah. he's just lucky that eyes are so squishy and fun to explode on screen yeah the film promises demons you get demons mm-hmm. i don't know if it's ever really scary but it's definitely creepy in a lot of places it's just a load of fun and i think that's that's what they were going for and ultimately they they succeeded big up guys you did a good job it's it's strange because you know you talk about the motorbike scene that's exactly the scene i was referencing when i said that you know, if I said to you, there's a moment in this movie where this movie theater is overrun with zombie demons and a guy gets on a motorbike, rides it through the the aisle of the cinema and over the seats, swinging a katana, chopping off heads, slashing up demons for a really unnecessary amount of time. It's a great <laughs> it amount of time. It's perfect yeah. amount of time. <laughs> does it with a ripping metal soundtrack. You'd be like, that sounds like hilarious horror movie fun. But I still felt greasy watching that scene it like i said it didn't feel hilarious it just felt like you said made for it's like the calzone of the movie it's the italian food made for the american audience yeah 
and it, yeah, even that lands really well. I will say by that point in the movie, I was almost getting a bit fatigued with stuff like that happening. Do you know what I mean? To the point where that didn't land as well as it would have done if mm. there'd been a longer period of seriousness, maybe. But I think that's mostly the dubbing and mostly the sort of semi-ludicrous, frantic violence that yeah. leads up to that. Because that would be the main, you know, trailer headline moment, wouldn't it, in a movie? That's the big action shot. Yeah. Which probably speaks to just how cool a lot of the violence is in this movie, that that wasn't like the most standout amazing part. It was just like a culmination of lots of ludicrous violence. The helicopter falling through the roof was the bit where I was like, oh, no, did it just ruin itself as a movie? Because I thought, what is what is happening and then it does quickly kind of explain why that happened and that it wasn't just we have a derelict her- helicopter let's drop it through a room <laughs> yeah there's there's multiple moments in the in the final quarter of this movie where i was like oh shit are they gonna they're gonna drop the ball at the last minute but they don't they just about cling in there i think for me but i'm guessing those are moments in the movie that you absolutely love right yeah absolutely i mean they're they are the pepperoni <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're they're the things yeah. that you that you stick around for. Do you stick around right. for pepperoni? I don't know. I stick around. Is that a shit metaphor. Um, that's a t-shirt. I stick around for the pepperoni. Um, but yeah, they're 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 like the sort of the 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 the, the crowns on top. They are the thing that everything is is delicious, and then you get those little nuggets of pepperoni. They don't come in nuggets, mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah, I think. I just think those are they're beautiful, beautiful moments. The, all the stuff with the punks, mm. I really enjoy. Um, we'll talk about the punks now. Yeah, but they I need really their own en- section, right? Like, yeah, but I really enjoy the idea of just bringing in a load of characters that have no fucking idea what's happening, uh, like yeah. basically at the end of the movie, and being like, "Look, now go make all the same mistakes everyone else has already made. We get to watch you die in interesting, fun ways." Yeah, and I, I love that. I love the idea of just being like, "Look." It's like if you introduced Ash at like the 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 final bit of, of Evil Dead, it's just like, all right, you're an idiot. Go be an idiot in a situation where we know it's fucking shit for you. Let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that they so for me, the punks bring in the cops and, and kind of allow access to the movie theater. So they're just like they are, you're completely right. They're just fodder. But for fodder, we spend a hell of a lot of time with them, right? Let's talk about the the punk scenes as we cut away from the action inside the movie theater and we go into the action in the the, the car of the punks the berlin night hounds yeah well i mean i love the punks i'm i'm a big sucker for for movie punks generally mm. i think these are the same shit depiction of punks that you get in all 80s movies this came mm. out the same year as return of the living dead so they're very yep. very similar the dynamic the relationship dynamic is very similar to these punks yeah, to the punks gross. in <laughs> return of the living dead i'm not sure that I could really picture any of these punks cleaning out a Coke can, carefully drying it so they don't get all their cocaine wet um, <laughs> when they're when they're snorting it out of a can. Um, I just can't really picture that. I just don't really see them doing that off screen. Well, they're pretty fastidious, dude. When they're cleaning up the spilled Coke, they really get in there. They, yeah. they do a really good job. I could see them prepping in a similar way. Um, well, but they, so are, in- they are scummy, right? They're pretty scummy punks. Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the idea, isn't it? That they're meant to be new characters that you think are absolute awful pricks that mm. that are just chuffer for the demons to to kill off. There's there's no one in there where you're like, all right, maybe you'll emerge as a hero from this. And this is like you're a shit person with a shit attitude and a 
and a razor blade for scooping up cocaine off a nipple and that's all yeah that's all you are i got the slight impression very briefly that maybe ripper the i guess the main punk is ripper the main punk the driver. i think so yeah I, I got a brief impression there that he might be coming not coming to save the day but he might be going in to sort of finish the job a little bit you mm. know where you've got um you've got bobby Rhodes just basically kicking quite a lot of ass and taking charge the the whole way through the movie the movie scene i thought maybe we're getting like an escalation of that with ripper he's going to go in and, and be insanely violent in that really coked up berlin nightlife kind of way but they again i think they do something quite clever there which is maybe subtly tease that and then have them all die immediately <laughs> yeah i i, I mean yeah. i love watching them die obviously you you get to watch them die because they become even nastier versions of demons because they're already pretty nasty characters yeah for sure um so so there's like and then you get demons in studs and leather jackets and that's that's cool that is fun yeah i mean we have to address the the nipple scene i think because it is so long <laughs> yeah no that just keeps it just keeps scene. coming doesn't it it just keeps happening on and yeah, on and on it does so uh the guy is is essentially just kind of shaving the female punk's breast with his razor blade up and down in a way that's obviously supposed to be semi-seductive slash obviously very ominous <laughs> that scene is is an incredibly tight close-up for a really long time and then he does cut her boob with the uh, with the razor blade and just like laugh at it what's your take <laughs> i mean it's similar to uh to a bosch but no it's not it's uh <laughs> <laughs> i think within the film there was very little opportunities to show a tit correct and, and as italians they've got quotas to make so absolutely and i actually think this scene is brilliant it, it adds to the tension it shows yeah. us just how fucking how the depths of what this movie will go to to shoehorn in some sexuality and it, it is it is a really sort of greasy moment in the movie where you really think greasy. To yourself, yeah you think to yourself what could possibly happen next like jesus like, lingering on this like shaving motion for that long it's going to be horrible and that just ratchets up the tension it, it's a really sort of exposing horrible uncomfortable sequence that those characters really enjoy which makes you again just feel like oh god what are these people going to do when they get to this movie theater because that's clearly where they're going yeah. and the, the best thing they do is they leave the cops there and the cops are obviously eviscerated pretty quickly so i think a great scene Every, everything in the in the car i think is great we 100 percent believe these are pretty unprincipled nihilistic goth punks cruising berlin for a good time they're coked out of their minds they've got an entire coke can full of coke that they're snorting through a straw and then we throw them into the demon filled movie theater it's yeah. a stroke of genius i love it i agree with you though i think it would be nice to see them hold their own a little bit use use some yeah. of that coke energy to to hold their own but they don't they just sort of bumble through fuck everything up tear down all the mm -hmm. barricades and then die it's quite cool that they're re immediately revealed to be totally cowardly and in no way loyal to each other. <laughs> they yeah. immediately scatter and just leave each other to die, which I laughed out loud at. He's like, fuck this, and just runs away, um, <laughs> which I thought was great. Total lack of chivalry, total lack of like any kind of unity or, or principle of like strength in numbers, just total rats scattering. I thought that was really cool. So as a, as a punk, do you think that they represent the community quite well? absolutely in my experience <laughs> yeah 100 percent up the punks uh it's every man for himself <laughs> literally every man for himself 
Um, I think, yeah, I'm with you on the movie punk front. I don't like movie punks. I just, it just tires me out watching them. But these, I thought, I felt were on the sort of Bauhaus goth side of punk enough for me to yeah. disassociate a little bit. They were, they were very fun to watch the entire time. I really, really love how um, Ripper looks. Lino Salem, is that his name? Uh, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. His nose is fantastic. He's got this blunt shovel of a nose. He's got like a uh, just a, a really chiseled but completely hideous face. And I, I just love what he brings to to those low lit car scenes. And when he gets into the cinema, he's got that like beaten up James Dean, been run over by a truck look going on that I really like. I thought and he looked a bit like so... Michelangelo's David. I think he's got. <laughs> I think he's got like a face that's very similar to Michelangelo's David. Maybe I mean, it's just a pretty Italian like, face. It could be a very, very Italian face. You're right. I think, yeah, I, th- I just think he had so much going on with his look. To me, he looks like, uh, do you know Jack O'Halloran? Yeah. Yeah, Jack O'Halloran. My favorite role of his is um, in Dragnet. Uh, he plays Emil Muzz. He's like a younger Emil Muzz to me, but with just this amazingly flat nose that looked like somebody had literally just chiseled a line up it, which which he did himself in the car, chiseling lines the whole way to the party. <laughs> uh, just a, a great dude I wish we could have spent a bit more time with. Uh, and we do get to spend more time with him. No spoilers. Okay, so what's your what's your final sort of thoughts on, on Demons? Final what's thoughts all- on Demons. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I was a little bit worried at first because it starts so weird and it's so uncomfortable and you just feel like because jamie's recommended this it's going to be horrible (laughs) but it's way more fun than i expected thankfully it's way less italian than i expected no shots fired at italy i felt like this was a fantastic romp through a very simple but very effective idea that was delivered really really well by a tough as nails cast who who really gave strong performances from front to back i loved the aesthetic I loved, there was a couple of just incredible shots in this movie that just felt like standalone classics. Um, I love a good hanging scene. I thought the hanging scene in this was brilliant. It just mm. kept giving. They hang the guy, he comes back. They hang him again, he comes back again. All that stuff added up for me to be a really, really fun raz of a movie. And um, yeah, I think it did everything it said it was going to do. I don't think it aged badly. And I think it was a really fun experience from start to finish. But what about you? Because you are Demons fan number one. Uh, I'll say it yet again. One of my favorites absolutely holds up. It's a joy to make people experience it for, for their first time. I fucking love it. Everything about it, it's fucking metal. The soundtrack is metal. The action is metal. The katana is metal. The some of the some of the fucking dialogue is metal. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals and cities their tombs. Fucking metal. <laughs> like, metal as fuck. so metal. The guy's um, face is metal. The guy's face is metal. The, yeah. It's metal. It's timeless. It's amazing. I just, I just fucking love it. Ten uh, growing fingernails up is what this film gets. Excellent. I'm going to give it uh, six protruding fangs out of eight protruding fangs nice it, I, I love how much you love it that's what gives me the the extra bump <laughs> of enjoyment of this movie the whole time i was watching i was like jamie loves this shit it was cool <laughs> yeah i, no, we I watched s- it together i was about to say the same thing i wish we were watching it together i think we would we would have had a really good time 
same i agree maybe that's uh one for the future yes okay so so let's talk demons 2 uh the nightmare returns yes let's talk demons 2 so just to give you a bit of plot demons 2 opens with a party lots of lots of fucking yuppies uh in a in a swanky apartment building but uh oh they're showing either now i can't really tell what's happening what they're showing here <laughs> whether they're showing a, a movie a sequel to the movie a documentary about what happened at the, at the movie theater i don't yep. really know what what they're showing but it's something that's loosely connected to what happened in demons 1 but it's in an apartment building so there's there's loads of different people and enclosed lives that you get to have a look at until ultimately a demon comes out of the television and causes shit to get fucked up yeah another nice succinct plot a simple idea i'm gonna go as far as to say that i didn't like demons too wow okay i know <laughs> i've literally arrived at that decision just now and i spent a lot of time with demons too i watched it watched it all the way through and then i watched the whole second half again just to see if there was something that maybe it was like my mood or mm. something something going on that affected my my view of it but i think my overall take is that i i definitely didn't love it i don't know if i like it or not i think i need to spend a bit more time with it to be honest but there's definitely a lot of stuff about this movie that didn't hit in the same way as the first one for me which yeah. is not to say it's it's less good i just maybe don't appreciate it in the same way and i'm still figuring it out well ultimately a lot of the stuff is very much in in retread town yeah you, a, a lot of the same themes and visuals are, are, are revisited the punks in the car stuff is just wholesale copy and paste from the first movie absolutely uh along with like we say some of the cast bobby rhodes comes back in a different role uh very confusing your your main punk comes back in a in, in a different role which Rip i think back. i think is great and really speaks to him as an actor that you buy him as this horrible shitty punk and then you mm -hmm. also buy him as like the lobby security guard i really <laughs> yeah definitely. i really rate that i think sure yeah what what, what a great guy um Bobby Rhodes less so. He's the same character, but same but a with a different name and a different job. I genuinely had to be like, hang on, did he not <laughs> die? Has he gone from pimp to fitness instructor? Is he like a personal trainer now? Uh, and then, you know, I went back to Demons and realized he definitely died. He's just being another dude. Fascinating yeah. stuff. Um, the, the demon contagion thing is is said, I think that phrase is actually said in the part of the movie within a movie that is a documentary yeah um, so so my my initial thoughts from demons about uh you know demonic contagion are kind of confirmed which is nice that ties that up a little bit for me and, and lets me know where i'm where, where i stand the music during the nostradamus movie in this fucking rules i think it's excellent all the little so, accents i didn't think that it was a nostradamus movie i thought they were in the cinema in the in the ashes of the cinema Ah, oh, they are, aren't they? Oh, I mean, it's deeply I'm, confusing. I think, I think they didn't know. I think they filmed a load of stuff, and they were yeah. like, "Well, whatever." But like, I don't think you would see that beam that that awakens the demon within the movie. I think you're right. Don't think you would see that in a in a tomb. Nah, right. I think I just figured it out. So I think they are. So what happens at the end of Demons is that they wall off the city. Yeah, um, and then people live in sort of annexed 
you know protected areas i think this is people who have gone into the forbidden zone right, to yeah. find demonic artifacts because they do find they're super excited when they find a claw they're over the moon when they find uh, a demon corpse so that seems to be what's happening there yeah i don't know an awful lot about reanimating dead demons but i think if, if if i was bleeding I yeah. probably just wouldn't go anywhere near it. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't do it into a fucking demon's mouth, dude. That's the last place I'd bleed. It's just the last place <laughs> I'd bleed. Honestly, <laughs> just Audrey too, that demon, just fully fed it blood straight from the straight from the spigot. Um, but I loved... So my, the reason I mentioned the music in the movie within a movie, documentary within a movie moments, is that it is by far the best sound design in this movie for me because mm. i hated the entire audio landscape of this movie it was the one thing that ruined it for me if i'm totally honest there's a lot of stuff this movie absolutely kicks the ass out of and there's a lot of stuff for me that just doesn't land but the one thing objectively i just struggled with from start to finish was the sound art and design from front to back but the bit that works for me again is the movie within a movie those little licks on the on the synth and the the kind of jangly chain like percussion that works really well for me and again sets the scene in much the same way that demons did uh just in a slightly more exhausting fashion yeah i think though i really love the sort of the development of the memory of demons into demons 2 because you remember demons as a film where the demons come out of the screen and that's and there's a direct relationship between the movie and what happens i mean that's that is not the case in, in in actually what happens in demons, but that's how you remember sure. it, and I think that yeah. that's what they're playing with here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love I love the concept of being like, well, yeah, obviously a year later the movie would be on TV, even though <laughs> whatever, whatever it ends up being, if it's if it's the movie, if it's a sequel to the movie, or if it's a documentary about what happened when they showed the movie, and they're showing <laughs> yeah. clips from a different movie, I don't fucking know, but it's great. Yeah. Um, I love I love so much about Demons 2. I completely admit that it's inferior, but I think I think the the way that they build on Demons is really good. I think the way that they have a second bite at taking at creating some of those really iconic shots and mm-hmm. and like building them into something a bit bigger is great. I love that you get like one demon who is like the the demon that you're scared of who mm-hmm. who sort of comes back throughout the movie. Sally. Sally, great. Absolute amazing transformation sequence. I love it so much. I can't stand Sally. (laughs) Like she's great. She's so moody and horrible and grumpy about her party. And yeah, she sucks. (laughs) Definitely sucks. And and I think that's just that's just great. The the music in Demons 2, I think, represents something very different to the music in Demons 1. Demons Demons is a is is pretty sort of nihilistic and and, and gritty and horrible, mm. uh, so you get that sort of heavy metal, and it's like, oh, I'm designed to make you feel angry, and I want to make you mm-hmm. feel angry. Whereas Demons Two is about a load of fucking yuppies. So and I, the first diegetic song you get is is the Smiths. Is I think this yeah. might have been the first time I ever heard the Smiths. Really? Yeah, I think that this might be my my Smithception. What an introduction to the yeah. band the party scene at demons 2 that's <laughs> hilarious i love it yeah yeah you're right it sets out a different stall in terms of the audio profile for the whole movie from the very beginning and like we say some of the stuff is is copied wholesale from the first one you get 
a, a basically identical set of punks in a basically identical car. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a bit more yuppie because I think the film is just a bit more, a bit more about yuppies or, yeah. or those those sorts of people. But yeah, no, I, I think it's great. I really, I really like it. It's objectively not a very good film, but it's a pretty good like horror sequel, I think. Well, one thing I thought was really great, and I give full credit to the to this as an idea and as a device through the whole movie, is the idea of setting it in this one uh, apartment building. Because the the shot that the, the sort of very long continuation of sort of individual shots where you pan essentially through the walls of all these different apartments is really really effective. Yeah. The way it introduces you to each character in demons by going from seat to seat, from cluster to cluster in the movie theater is kind of at least thematically recreated by just nicely drifting through the walls of these completely unrelated but neighbored apartments, and, and it it gives you that similar creepy feeling of like going into somebody's living space looking at what they're doing, watching their life, and then moving on to the next one. Mm. Um, so I definitely, definitely enjoyed that as an idea. It it made me think immediately I'm I'm in for much more of a zombie movie, to be honest, because it it reminded me of a lot of classic zombie movies set in apartment buildings, for example. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know whether that tainted my, my viewing or not, but it definitely geared me up for, like, get ready for zombies. And I like that. And I think the moment you hear panic, you're you're 100% right. You're, you're in a different, uh, a tonally different world for this batch of demons. And that was quite, I mean, I admire that. I think it was really cool. It's definitely not my my preference to be mm. with those characters. I did not get a lot of mileage out of most of the characters in this movie, especially Sally, who I thought was just like. But that transformation, man, it was amazing. You've got the, the, the grip, the teeth, the nails, the turn, the reveal, the 25 minutes mugging for the camera. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Sally's transformation, yep, it does. Um, it does a lot of uh, a lot of things that happen in demons. More, I yes. Guess. The idea, the idea here is more, right? It should just be demon, more demons. Like, that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, definitely. I think I think they saw Gremlins too. A lot of the concepts as well. Yes. So with a literal gremlin. Like... <laughs> well, it's the it's the small demon coming out of the small man, as opposed to the big demon coming out of the lady in the, the first one. Man. I've got in my notes. Here comes a gremlin. <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> should be. Put that on um, your next uh, your next Sam Russo t-shirt. Just or maybe put it on the stage before you come on stage. Here comes a gremlin. Here comes a gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> Here I come. I th- I'm definitely more of a goblin than a gremlin, but I'll take it. I found part of what made me. I mean, I think I'm just. I just have issues with sound in general in life, but in movies, I'm just hypersensitive to it mm. and. The, the whole way through, we are absolutely brutalized by sound in this movie. And that is almost definitely a very specific directorial and editing move, right? We have these moments where we're being blasted with walls of noise, literally like there's a mixture of music, static, violence, gore, screaming, low, uh, you know, demon, guttural, growling, etc. And then it will cut immediately to a silent apartment. So what do you make of that? Because that recurs from start to finish throughout the movie. How did you process that as a viewer? And what does it mean to you in, in the, the bigger picture of the movie? Well, I think that's about how, I mean, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but I think it's about how how separate people's lives are when they when they live in like quite, quite close quarters. Sure. And it's like the, the, the sort of difference of world life experience that people have within those sort of short, short or small spaces rather. I think that's that's probably what they were going for there. 
I, I mean, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yet again, obviously, I know it's not good, but I think it's great. Just the <laughs> the, the idea that that all this is happening next door, and you have no idea. Like yeah. I love that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and the, the the concept that that like you don't know who's living next door, you don't know what what they're up to, or mm-hmm. what's come out of their telly, or or what like they're just they're just mystery and and you might see them and you might nod at them in the lift and you might pervert them while your pregnant wife is waiting upstairs but (laughs) ultimately you don't know them although he's not perving a a neighbor he's perving a a prostitute who's who's coming to visit again another great prostitute in a completely different capacity you know this is more in, in my opinion more of a a high-class escort-type prostitute. And yeah. In many ways, I'm... Demons 2, Demoni Due, is the high-class prostitute of the <laughs> Demons 1 gutter hooker. I think the moment where she's leaving, she's going down in the lift, and, and your, your sexy Clark Kent man is going down in the lift as well, and she's like, oh, you finished too. Like, yeah, I, I really love that. I thought that was a great yeah. little moment. Obviously, a the... great line. I love the dialogue in this is there. The dialogue in this is ultimately awful throughout... Yeah, I think my fa- my favorite line in Demons Two is easily one of my favorite lines in any B movie, gory horror movie ever. And it's when there's a, a pair of characters, one of whom I think is actually the director and and his you know for the movie wife, walking through a street scene where there's loads of music happening. We never return to them. It's completely irrelevant to the story, and I have no idea why it's in the movie. But they're walking along, and the woman turns and looks at an accordion player and she says i am enjoying this and then they walk <laughs> off screen <laughs> it's incredible i am enjoying this and yeah definitely I mean, some of the best cheesy dialogue going for sure do you think that's on purpose or do you think they just turn it out a sequel as fast as possible I think, yes, they ripped out a sequel as soon as they realized people went nuts for demons. And the, the one of the main problems I have with the sound profile of this movie is that the dialogue and the, the, the Foley work and the dubbing doesn't work in the same way that it does in the first one. In the first one, the, the bits that suck hit for laughs. The bits that are great, you really notice. And everything in the middle just cruises by. You just yeah. you don't really realize you're watching a dubbed movie, even though it's really, really hand in there. Um, this one, there's a lot of really jarring uh, dialogue and a lot of really close, grindy, disgusting foley. And it's all mix and match and it leaps up and down. It's all over the place. So the the, the child's conversation on the phone, for me, is a great example of, of demons style dubbing, where he just picks up the phone and says, hello. No, my parents are out. I am alone. And then hangs up the phone, which I think is incredible. Yeah. I loved it so much. And it hit. But then there's loads of other examples where it just doesn't do that. And it just, it again, just kind of makes me feel a bit sick. But that being said, Rhodes gets some incredible dialogue in this movie as well. He gets to really live in the role of personal trainer turned Rambo turned corpse, which is great. Um, and while the while the sound isn't necessarily to my taste, and it's a big factor in my experience, a lot of it is probably done really well for a certain audience i bet you fucking love how the sound batters you in this movie i mean i i don't really think about films in that way i just sort of experience them Mm. but but i do think that there's something really beautiful about like what you said before about about taking that journey from a really loud and really intense place 
to a to a very quiet place very quickly. I think mm. that's wonderful. I think it's great. What Demons 2 does is it bombards your senses generally in a way that Demons 1 also did, but but it takes that and it ramps it up and so they ramps up the sound like like we say they they shatter out within the year like they probably didn't have the time to drink so much wine eat so many pizzas yep. so yeah they they really had to nail it down and and rush it out and i think that shows in the sound design and in everything but i love it I love it all, and and I I I I think there's a lot of mileage in that that technique, and I think you're a hundred percent right when you say it's a, a sensory assault from start to finish. It is uh, visceral in a way that demons isn't, but with less gore. It's a really interesting experience to watch a movie that is, in some ways, less violent, but definitely less gory, but more, more of a, a sensory battering from start to finish. Definitely. The, the movie obviously starts with a, a kind of cheeky misdirect where we see uh, a bloody butcher apron and a knife. And then we are suddenly told that this is somebody making cakes for Sally's birthday. It's, yeah. it's in fact Sally's birthday. And that's why the party's happening. We see Sally freak out about her, her dress. She doesn't like her dress. She hates her hair. She says her hair stinks. Again, some great dialogue. And then the party continues without her, which I thought was a great you know narrative choice. Her, yeah, look, it's just yeah, they just crack on. They just party without her, and it's only the moment they bring out the birthday cake that they think, "Where is Sally?" Uh, and she's in her room having her own party, watching the movie within the movie. Now, the first demon to emerge does come out of the TV, correct? Yes, and it's a fantastic effect. I love it. I thought for a moment that it was almost like stocking material with a real man's face coming forward with a projection of the movie on it. And it is incredible. It's a great effect. It's super effective. And the actor who who plays the first demon looks so much like Glenn Howerton. I was a hundred percent in. I thought that effect was fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that effect. That I, I love yeah. it. I love the sequence. I love the concept of like the demon sort of noticing that a viewer is there and like mm. breaking that fourth wall. And they they come back to that a bit later in the film as well. But I really I really enjoyed the idea that like. Well, the people on the screen know that they're being perceived yeah, and that causes them to change their actions, which I think is maybe something that they're, they're doing on purpose here. But again, who, who fucking knows what they were, what well, they were actually super, thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that that head turns and it looks through the screen and then you think, Oh shit, there's a demon in my TV and he's coming out to get me. It's done well. And it is, I think it is scary. I think that yeah. scene is actually a scary scene. And then obviously we have Sally go out. She goes back to the party and she she is about to enjoy some birthday cake. She manages to blow out the candles. And that's when the the demon rampage begins. And you mentioned that you love her transformation. Do you not love the transformation? Dude, no, in all honesty. What the fuck, man? I know, I know. Is this, I, is this actually but... our final transmission? <laughs> Here's why. Here's why. I hate how Sally looks. The whole way through this movie as a demon mm. it just to me is so unpleasant that it goes beyond being entertaining uh, they they do a fantastic job of making her look fucking vile she's got this like bulbous gnashing mouth that's almost like a tennis ball cut in half pumping up and down the whole time with these huge teeth she's got bulgy eyes like one of which is almost about to pop out of her head 
Her skin is like just almost hanging off straight away. There's blood pouring out of every orifice. Her cheeks are green. Her hair literally looks like it actually stinks. She just <laughs> rots immediately. And the the I love the one thing I love is the blood pouring. Constant blood pouring is great. But for me, it's got this weird. It it gives me the sensory uh, sort of dissonance where if I'm looking at something chewy. Like it just feels horrible to look at her in the movie in a way that mm. I find less entertaining than looking at a really cheesily made up demon from from demons. Um, but that is a, to- a total matter of personal preference. I think the makeup work is phenomenal. Um, her voice is hard to experience in the movie because there's so much of it. And it's just her her, her voice, you know, obviously like dialed down to a lower octave and slowed down. Mm. So it's this constant drone throughout the movie this like punishing drone so i find it a rough hang as a as a character as a visual and as a sound experience but i know exactly why you love it so <laughs> tell our fans our I viewers mean, why you love it i just i mean I've, I've, i think i've already gone into detail why it's amazing i love just how much time she spends mugging for the camera yeah i really just right. think that's you don't get any of that in demons you get a little bit of it in demons but you don't get an mm. awful lot you don't get a lot of spending a lot of time lingering on a on a super extreme close-up of a, of a demon's face. Uh, I think they're but, more confident of the, the makeup in this. So yeah. they, can, they can do that. They can get real close and spend a long time there. It gave me the same feeling I get when you see real tight close-ups of zombies eating flesh. And yeah. it's there for ages. And the sound is, is just kind of clicking away ASMR style of them eating the flesh. It gave me that same kind of sickness. So I think it, don't get me wrong, it does its job. Yeah, just well, I think... I, I think everything about, like we've said, everything about this is just about ramping ramping up demons. So you get mm-hmm. much more face time with the demons. You get, oh, by the way, demon blood is acid now. I forgot about that completely. Yes, you it get, is. You get a dog demon. You get a little kid <laughs> demon. Like, kid demon rules. Kid, I, I love the dog demon. Again, that transformation is 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 amazing. Yeah. The next generation of, of the, the American werewolf in London trans, transformation. Yeah, I, I loved seeing the the protruding mouth coming out of the dog's mouth. I thought it was uh-huh. fucking great. I loved it. Yeah. The yeah the kid demon, the the little goblin that comes out of him, the 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 way that they they lean into that sort of lit up eyes in the in the stairwell mm. scene, and they come back to that the the stuff where the characters are stuck in the lift. Yeah. And and you know that the demons are going to spot them eventually, but they just keep not spotting them. And then they do, and it's fucking great. Oh. The reveal there is one of my favorite moments in the movie. The guy is killed. He falls down where the elevator is trapped between two, two floors. His face is framed right between the two partially closed doors. And eventually he reanimates as demon. I think that's incredibly effective. I think the, yeah. the kid demon in this movie is, is one of my favorite scary kids in movie history, I think. Wow, he okay. is so great. He transformed. I honestly didn't think he was going to become a demon, which is great because he does big time. And everything he does is creepy because he's so small and he's so aggressive and he's so shouty and he's so full on. I, I love his makeup. I think he looks amazing. He's not quite as gory, muggy, hammy, full on, close, tight as Sally, but he's he's really ominous and and I think he he delivers a great performance. Where do you put um, him on on the list of like scary kids? Then who's 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 above him and below him? I think for me he's above Gage. Wow. Okay. Because uh, I don't I don't find Gage scary. I find Gage kind of unsettling. I find this demon kid kind of scary. Wow. Um, okay. What other demon kids do we have? Let's think. Or sorry, what other uh, horror movie kids do we have uh, below the twins in The Shining? 
Okay. Who else we got? It's tricky, isn't it? Because like scary kids in media tend to be scary because they're kids, not because they're monsters. I think they largely suck. I think portrayals yeah. of, of kids as being scary slash demonic slash ominous in some way, or just even creepy. It normally does nothing for me whatsoever. But he he works. I think. Yeah. But um, I think about like the, the the reason that the kids are scary in say Children of the Corn or uh because it's like it's it's the same as a zombie thing. It's it's a numbers thing. If you Yeah. If you if you're faced with a hundred children that or a hundred like precocious sort of teen type children uh-huh. they could easily overpower you mm-hmm. and that's quite scary yeah being overpowered by kids is something that probably unsettles us quite deeply because they are supposed to be in every way you know lower on the food chain than us you know we're supposed to be able to handle ourselves better than kids uh, but i did write in my notes that the demon child is deeply unsettling and i did mm. find him to be that you know, for an action sequence, especially, I my my fear level drops completely in an action sequence like that normally. But he he kept it going for me for sure, in a way that the gremlin did not. Uh, no, the gremlin <laughs> is the gremlin is dumb. There's a there's a Key and Peele sketch about the making of Gremlins two. Okay, I'm not sure if you've seen, but like a guy comes into like a production meeting and it's like we're doing Gremlins two. Give me your idea. Uh, a vegetable gremlin. That's in the movie. And then just like goes around <laughs> everyone and they all name stupid gremlins. And they nice. And I feel like that is the way that they created this film. It's just like, what do we want to see? Kid, kid demon, fucking go, go for it. Dog demon, yeah. little gremlin, fucking all the same stuff as the first one. Sure, why mm-hmm. not? Like, let's yeah. let's not gild the lily here. We're making fucking demons too. We really are. And, and we, we don't get baby demon, which surprised me cop out hate it there is a pregnant woman throughout this movie who is so close to being demoned slash deaded the whole way through and she is to my eyes about four months pregnant but somehow gives birth to a a completely healthy baby human and i felt a hundred percent sure we were going to get some kind of like very last minute demon hand popping out of that bundle and it doesn't happen what do you think about that cop out it's bullshit i hate it Yeah. yeah Dog, dog dicks. I um, I so wanted a demon baby at the end. I don't know if I read this somewhere, but I think they shot it with a demon baby and they were like, this really? is too much. Too much after what we just saw. <laughs> so I think what they what they originally imagined was uh, a demon like climbing out of her stomach, like clawing, right. clawing its way through her stomach. Sure. And, and being a demon, tiny mm-hmm. little weird demon baby. And that would have been amazing. And frankly- I don't like that. The, the the idea that you don't do that after you've ramped everything up is, yeah. I guess, is unexpected. And maybe they were going for unexpected. I, I would say bullshit. I knew you would, because I knew you would love a demon baby. And I was, to be honest, incredibly disappointed by the ending of this movie, front to back. Yeah, the, well, the I final, think... Final scene, I mean. I think the 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 idea that they, that they end up in a TV studio that is potentially broadcasting live, although... Yeah can't imagine too many people watching an empty set and studio at home yeah does give you the threat of 20 sallies coming through the monitors which i think is really cool and i wish that they'd ended the movie on her running towards the screen rather than them smashing all the screens yeah and then the the incredibly tonguey kiss out in the daylight Mm. and then both of them looking off into the distance before the final credits roll pretty lame 
But one thing I think, and maybe you can tell me if this was in any way just my eyes being weird or if this was deliberate or not. The first time we see that movie set or that TV set, it looked, I thought, here we go. Here comes some stop motion miniatures because it looks like a model. Yeah. The, the first shot, it looks exactly like a model. And you have them walking in from the right and you think, okay, they're going to encounter, you know, this looks like there's going to be some Jason and the Argonaut shit popping off here. But that doesn't happen. And yeah. then we find out. Which uh, Friday the 13th was that? what the uh jason well, and the argonauts. yeah the one where he fights the argonauts <laughs> yeah jason and the argonauts dude i would watch that yeah no, absolutely jason versus the argonauts that would be sick uh and they could they could just use like cut scenes from army of darkness it'd be great yeah i guess that, I think... that ultimately is, is what ended up being jason and the argonauts yeah basically <laughs> so uh, a lot of a lot of like kind of minor misdirects, I think, in this movie that I quite like. They set the stall out early for that with the the butcher scene at the beginning. Mm. Weird TV set at the end. There's actually an incredibly shaky shot in the middle of this movie. I don't know if you noticed it or if you ever have noticed it, but where it looks like erroneously the camera just shakes. Um, they're just filming two people having dinner in the city, and the the whole thing just wobbles up and down for the duration. I think that's an issue with the transfer because that was on mine as well. Okay. It happens in a couple of places. I think it might just be something that happened. Uh, presumably you watched the Arrow version. Yeah, and I was giving so much credit to the, the movie makers while watching it that I thought maybe that was a stylistic choice. Like, am I watching a movie within a movie within a movie Inception mm. style and it's starting to glitch out? I don't know. Jim Zombies. A whole load of fun, I thought. Yeah. Um, throwing a load of demons into a gym with Rhodes as the as the general there, grist for some great dialogue, uh, some some great muscle bound hunks getting down with the demons. Come on, man, does that thing even work? No, there's nothing out there. It's just dead air. So, so what do you think about the idea that the demons start to act a bit more like? your Kandarian demons in Evil Dead. They start to show a bit more personality and almost that sort of manipulation side of things that they do a bit in Evil Dead. Tricky, mixed feelings, because I love a bit of demon dialogue, which is mm. why I love the entire Deadite thing. I think what's great about the Deadites is that they they do cut straight into your soul. They have that demonic power to find your weakness and to speak to it immediately and to to pretend to not be demons and to really mess with you on a lot of levels. So for me, the demons in Demoni Due don't quite do that to the extent that I want them to. It's just a lot of guttural sounds, which mm. are scary as hell, really. You know, I, I put, put myself in the situation, like if Sally was running at me making those sounds, I would be shitting my pants. So I think they're effective in that way. What what is it specifically you think is changing in demons too with the nature of the demons? Well, there's there's the moment where the kid the kid demon pretends to not be a demon to mm -hmm. lull someone into that false sense of security, which felt very Kandarian demon to me. Mm. Think about like uh, what's her name in the in the fruit cellar, Henrietta. But yeah, so Henrietta in the fruit cellar in that that moment where she's like singing to 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 her daughter to try and convince mm. her to let her out. There's like a little moment, a little little nugget of that happening in mm -hmm. Demons too. A little salami um, nugget. Yeah. Is it just that they they have no real consistency or internal consistency, and they're just like, this will be a cool thing to have? 
Potentially. I mean, maybe like you said, as, as we're stepping it up in every respect in this movie, maybe we're just starting to, to step up every facet of the demon, not yeah. just the makeup, the aesthetic, the behavior, the movement, but also, uh, you know, alluding to the fact there might still be either a shred of their original humanity in there or a demonic presence that's more powerful and is therefore manipulating, you know, the living, quote unquote, living humans into mm. doing things. Either way, I like bringing that aspect in i just don't know i think they could have pushed it harder maybe um yeah or, or, or just like kind of not like a shit or get off the pot type thing but just like for me you're either like that super manipulative evil type of demon or you're the other kind of evil that just lives to shred flesh yeah uh, and a mixture of the two works but i would have liked to have seen a little bit more potentially i made a great note here that just says sally is bleeding like fucking mad uh sally <laughs> definitely drips a lot of acid blood in this movie and that's another you know ratcheting up the the threat level is the fact that, that we now have acid blood yeah uh, what did you think of the device of acid blood i mean it's a cool device I mean, it's a cool way of being like hey the communications are dead mm. because they've been bled on by fucking demons that 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 is <laughs> in, and of, in and of itself a cool sentence yeah but again internal consistency doesn't apply not all yep. the blood is acid, acidic just just some of it but we're, we're not here for logic we're here for shredding so and i don't care at all about the lack of logic or consistency in this movie i think it's what adds to the spontaneity of, of what's happening scene to scene is that you're like oh fuck the demon blood and then it doesn't happen you're like okay shit i guess that's not a thing anymore and if the if the demon dog had started manipulating its owner in some way, I wouldn't have been surprised in the slightest. You know, mm. you're you're left open to all these possibilities. Your imagination is left to run wild because you binned logic in the opening scene, essentially. And I do love that about these movies. I think as a pair, um, I think that works the right right the way through. And again, the dialogue, the the action in tandem with the dialogue. You know, my my problems with the sound aside, I think is is pretty great. You know, the, my two favorite lines in this movie are probably my two favorite lines in both the movies. So mm. some some great stuff there. Definitely my two favorite demons from the two movies as well. Do you have like a favorite kill or a favorite moment in this movie in terms of the movie violence? I mean, I love when uh, when your Clark Kent guy kills the gremlin with the umbrella. With the umbrella. I love dude. that. <laughs> I hated that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just stabbing it with an umbrella through a wall. Like... It's amazing. Come on. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's a thing. It happens. I like the, there's a moment where the gremlin gets caught in a towel and there's just strobe lighting and it's just screaming <laughs> for no reason. And I just wrote, gremlin in a towel. Great. I would say. That's I my favourite Smith that song. <laughs> gremlin in a towel. It, it works. It's great. The, the problem I have with that whole gremlin sequence, I, I don't know if this is where it comes into the movie or if this is where it just returns lots, but the music that's happening while that happens is dreadful and it just keeps coming back. It's brutally repetitive. And I, again, I think that's deliberate. I think it's trying to beat the living crap out of you with that repetitive electric guitar line. And when I heard it, I thought, is this like trying to tell me something about the music in Demons? Is, is the fact that this like, lame electric guitar riff is just repeating over and over and over is it is it trying to tell me demons 2 is going to fuck you up in ways that demons didn't i mean uh, and, it, and it does it does absolutely it does yeah so, and i think maybe that is what they were going for coupling that with strobe and just like recurring over and over and over and coming back to it again and again because 
they do something quite clever with that in my opinion so they have that sound sorry that music the whole way through the gremlin scene and then they bring it back later on when we think the uh the couple are basically going to be safe at the end so mm. maybe that's designed to make you feel a sense of jeopardy for a potential demon baby coming up and then it doesn't happen which is interesting yeah the umbrella kill i definitely stood out to me i think my favorite death in the movie is probably the death of the demon kid that's that's good too i mean my note for the umbrella kill is death by umbrella cool <laughs> <laughs> Mine, mine says something similar, but not quite. Um, so the, the the scene with the the demons kind of rampaging their way down the uh, the ramp leading into the parking garage where a lot of the action happens in this movie. Mm. Um, so there's kind of a siege situation, basically, isn't there? There's demons rampage through the gym, and Rhodes, our man Rhodes, takes us down into the parking garage uh, in an attempt to escape initially, but then in an attempt to barricade, much like the the cinema in demons that doesn't go particularly well for a number of reasons and we end up with a pretty classic flood of zombies any any favorite moments in that particular sequence being the kind of big rampaging demon fight montage like i just thought it was all good yeah yeah there's there was there was no real standouts for me there it's just all absolute carnage greatness there's more father daughter child innocence play yeah. going on there with the the dad who protects the daughter fights off a lot of demons puts the daughter in the car is eventually overcome by demons and then you get that incredibly disgusting and uncomfortable shot of all the demons pressing their faces against the glass mm. about to eat the kid uh so i was picking up on just some themes on childhood uh some themes on the vulnerability of kids etc it's no surprise that it's the uh, dario argento's daughter scourge of yeah. bourdain fans everywhere um, and Skiba fans everywhere. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, lock up your icons. I, I think... She's coming. She's she's coming. I think uh, just the presence of a baby, a pregnant woman, a kid who becomes a demon, and a little girl who witnesses her dad being completely... Sh well, actually not being completely shredded, just sort of like knocked out and left on the bonnet of a car by a bunch of demons. <laughs> um, I just found that interesting. It kind of culminates with the with the baby being born at the end one of Rhodes's tactics down in that in that basement garage is to uh you know pound on this barred door for ages they're pounding on this barred door and then he he says everybody stand back and he pushes everyone back and then he throws a potted plant at it and is surprised when that doesn't just fucking smash through this it's the key the key door. to all the skeleton key to all doors is to throw a pot plant at it. He's so surprised when it doesn't break it down. It's incredible. I mean, everything he does in this movie is gold. You know, for me, he gets the MVP of the whole movie. He keeps it fun. And he, he does a lot of great stuff in that gym as well. He has a great line where he says, fill it with gas to make bombs. Uh, he's talking <laughs> yeah. about gathering a load of bottles. And it seems to me he dies by having his dick and balls ripped off by a demon. Remember that bit? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a scary thing, right? I would be terrifying. Do you think that's how he dies? Or do we just, do we just, does he have an on, off screen death? I mean, nobody really dies, do they? Everybody sort not. of falls over and then becomes a demon. Yeah. Instantly. Although, in some cases, when it's narratively convenient, it takes a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. You're you a get that party, for example. Yeah, you get that one bit in here as well where you you actually get the impression that someone doesn't want to become a demon. 
There's like that, that one character that's like kill kill me. Oh yeah, kind of I don't, not don't, saying kill me, but kind yeah. of saying kill me. Yeah. Yeah, like don't let yeah, me become yeah. like them. That's the only yeah. instance of someone being like, oh shit, I recognize that this is what's happening. I don't want to be that. Yeah, and, zombie time. Yeah, it's the only time that ever happens. Every other time, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I've got, a, oh, I'm, a, I'm a demon now. I'm a demon, bang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, as a, as a demons lover and a yes. demons two fan to the max, what do you think of the the, the longevity? And the durability of the movie Demons 2. It's tricky because Demons 2 can't exist in isolation. Mm-hmm. Like Demons 2 is absolutely a response to Demons 1. And the writers and the directors and the producers, who are all the same people, their mm-hmm. understanding of what what people enjoyed about Demons 1 and how they could how they can bring more of that into Demons 2. I think ultimately, longevity-wise, it's completely fine. In and of itself, it's just a a film that exists that would be a, a pretty fun gore fest if it existed by itself. But when you couple it with demons, I think it becomes a little bit something more. It's 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 eminently watchable. It's loads of fun. It's very silly. It never appears to take itself very seriously, apart from the very few moments where it very clearly does, where it's aping some of that zombie stuff like we just talked about. But ultimately, it's just a fucking who, isn't it? And I think hoots hoots are forever. Boots are forever. I love that that that's your take, and I I fundamentally disagree with so many points because <laughs> I don't think it's a hoot. I don't think it's eminently watchable. Uh, I will never watch Demons Two again. I know that for a fact. It just grosses me out and bums me out in a way that I don't find enjoyable in a horror movie. Yeah. And it's confusing to me because there's so much that I actually really like in a vacuum as a, a dissected movie chopped into lots of tiny chunks. There's loads of stuff I really, really like. Mm. Uh, stick it all together. It just rubs me up the wrong way from start to finish, which makes it an uncomfortable watch for me. However, in terms of its durability, I think it has very similar durability to the original, perhaps more so because we have potentially more quote unquote mainstream music in the soundtrack. We have a more universally recognizable and geographically neutral setting of a block of flats, you know, mm. uh, essentially an apartment building. And we have the added bonus of having recurring performances by, you know, two of the best love characters in the original, I think. So it brings in a lot of stuff that Demons does really well in terms of its its power to please fans ad nauseum for a really long time. And I think it doesn't lose anything in the aesthetic. I think it, it gains a little bit more traction in terms of the quality of a lot of the makeup and the effects in, in the way that a mainstream audience would maybe appreciate more. And I think it, it pushes a lot of the stuff that make it long lasting to new levels. So I do think it has a lot of longevity for fans and for people that appreciate it as a follow on to demons. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's, there's a, there's a moment or like a, an extended period in this where, where it might turn off a lot of casual fans, which is when the electrics first go out and everything gets really dark and it yeah. stays really dark for ages. And I remember, mm. cause I hadn't seen this in a long time. I remember thinking, Oh Jesus, it's just this dark for the rest of the movie so they can get away with shitty effects. But it does it does brighten up as the movie sort of moves on. But mm-hmm. I think that would turn a lot of people off. Yeah, I think mainstream audiences are going to struggle with the sort of punishing, almost jump cuts from scene to scene. I think I think people, uh, a modern audience might struggle with some of the editing decisions, some of the directorial decisions in terms of, you know, really harsh, hard camera movements and really long, lingering, gross shots. But horror fans i think this movie lasts and lasts and gives and gives yeah i think that i didn't mention earlier that I, that I did make in my notes is that obviously one of the things that i was looking for more 
in Demons was a bit of back and forth, a bit of interplay between the film within a film and what's what's happening in the cinema. I totally get what you mean about building that ominous kind of tension yeah. by leaping between story to story. And especially, like you said, going from one incredibly intense scene of violence to just, you know, a couple, a couple eating dinner, you know, three apartments over. Um, I think it does that really well. But like, like you know, like you're alluding to it, is it's quite unsettling in terms of its, you know, its editing and narrative conventions for for a mainstream audience. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, any any final thoughts on Demons Two? A really kind of confusing takeaway for me is that yeah, I love a lot of this movie, but I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't know what that says about me as a viewer. I think it is a similarly exciting movie in a lot of ways. But it just doesn't quite hit home for me in a lot of key areas as a fan and as a viewer. Mm. Uh, that being said, I can I can recognise almost externally just how much of a step up this is from Demons in terms of everything that you might want as a as a gore hound, as a horror fan, and as somebody who wants to have the shit scared out of them by the same stuff in Demons, but bigger and better. So I appreciate it on all those levels. Yeah, I think it's a great extension from the first. Yeah, I think... I think a thing that would have been really nice is if they made a film before Demons and Demons 2 could have been Demons. Oh, because I think I mean, yeah. if if we'd have had some of the stuff that we had in here or some of the ideas or some of the, the way that it built on Demons, like you have to have a thing to go before it in order to build on it. But mm -hmm. to have all of the stuff that, that we really liked in this, in that cinema setting, yeah. I think would have would have really, really leveled up Demons. Um, what if we could have just watched the entire movie within a movie from both movies first and then yeah. watch Demons and Demons Well, so the, the missed trick at the ending uh, mm. that we talked about before with, with uh, Sally running towards the camera mm. and the idea that they, or, or, or what they do in the film where they, where they destroy all the, all the monitors and that, that so Sally never, can never escape from the TV. Sure. But like the missed trick there is you let her run at the camera and then you make that the final shot of the of the actual movie. So she's mm -hmm. running at you. And then you get that sort of ring-esque thing where watching the film in the ring, watching the video in the ring that plays at the end of the ring is like it's deeply unsettling because you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And like having that moment, I think, is is a real I'm just a massive, massive missed opportunity from a film that I love generally. But mm -hmm. I would love to see that ending. The ending you yeah. described. I'd say a hundred percent better than the ending that we get. Definitely, I'd find that really satisfying as an ending. Just like yeah, like we, we know that she can come out of the TV. We know that's what's going to happen. Just fade to black. Holy shit! Terrifying ending. It's also a really beautiful shot. Her running at the camera. It has that strange watercolor type background. Mm. Um, she, for the first time in the movie, I think, looks almost desperately threatening. You know, she's she's it's a it's a very uh, it's an almost art house type of shot. We get a glimpse of it and then it's smashed to bits. And it is a real shame to not have that give more, I think. Yeah. I mean, think about all the other things that you could do with loads of TVs or with, with a, a projector. You have like little tiny demons climbing out of the projector. Like, yeah. like I wish that the demons was more things coming out of the screen. Mm. Uh, I think that, Again, like that's how you remember it, but that's not how it happens. That's how that's how it sort of infects your brain, but it yeah. but it's not what happens in the film. And I, but like I think you could really, really build on that, or even just make the sequel be in a different cinema, mm -hmm. 
and they've made a film about the thing that happened two towns over or, or whatever. Yeah, I'd buy that. But I love it. I love it all. I think it's great. I think it's objectively terrible, Demons 2, but but wonderful for it. Uh, I give it all of the dog gums. It's just great. Dog gums. <laughs> I give it... Um... It's a tough one to rate for me because I ju- I think I'm just so confused about how I feel about it. But I'll give it um yeah, I'll give it three demon kids out of ten. Wow. That's a, that's not many demon kids out of ten. It's not many demon kids, and I don't really like demon kids. <laughs> so it's a tough <laughs> one. Um th- I mean I'm I'm definitely not shitting on demons too. I just I, I think I do think it's it's great and it does a lot of what it um what it wants to do really well. It's just not for it's just not for me. Mm. Okay. Ever again. <laughs> I just can't hack Sally, dude. I don't know how you can enjoy watching her on screen. It makes me it makes my skin crawl. Are you uh, gonna watch obviously are you gonna what? watch any of the Demons Threes? Of which there are, the, there are th- there are three there are three Demons Three movies. There's, <laughs> there's Demons Three the Church, Demons Three okay. Black Demons, Demons Three the Ogre. Which, what the fuck? Why aren't they on our list? Did you give up? Are they the, bad? The, the church is on the list. The church is great. Okay, excellent. Anything involving a church in horror, I'm drawn into immediately. Just, I just really enjoy a lot of um, church-based horror movies mm. uh, and anything that ends up in a church. It's part of the reason I was so sold on um, that most recent Paranormal Activity movie is all the church stuff. I thought that was mm. badass. Yeah, so Demon, Demons 2... It only gets a, a slightly lower rating from me because of the the lack of personal enjoyment I got from watching it. However, bags of stuff to talk about. Low. I mean, it's it's a it's a really provocative movie. I think in that respect, it makes mm. you think. It makes you talk. Uh, even the stuff that I didn't enjoy, I really love talking about because it helps me dissect it and understanding it a bit more. But yeah, you know, we said we said oh less to say about Demons Two, and we've been here for what two two and a half hours now. So <laughs> yeah, exactly ridiculous. <laughs> So wrap her up, Jamie. Demons 2. Demons and Demons 2. We've watched them both. We've enjoyed them both in different ways. What's your big take home from this pair of movies? If you haven't seen Demons and Demons 2 and you consider yourself a horror fan, like plug that gap immediately. Like it's they sit really nicely in the genre. They 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 do interesting things with the with the existing stuff that's in the genre. I think they set up a couple of new things. They do that Italian thing where they borrow quite heavily from other movies. It's it's just great. It's like it's just like the greatest hits of all the stuff that you love in horror films. So, so, so get on it. I think I would completely agree. If you haven't seen Demons and Demons Two, I would highly recommend watching them both. I would just say have a strong drink ready for Demons Two. <laughs> uh, cool. We did it, buddy. 